0: Hello, it's 2nd of March, 2019, and this is episode 94 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Kirsty.
0: We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga.
1: And how has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel?
0: Not hugely Star Warsy. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, as people can probably tell if I leave that cough in the edit um, I haven't been too well um, I had to have a few days off work and stuff um, it's, it's nothing like life changing or anything it's literally just the flu so it's quite significant in the greatest scheme of things but yeah I've just been busy feeling sorry for myself and watching the Americans uh, you know when you're like ill you sometimes just want like cinematic comfort food what mm. I was desperately trying to do I was trying to watch the um, Kerry Russell film Austin Land <laughs> Which I've never seen, but it just looked really like heartwarming and safe, yeah. and I just wanted it. I couldn't find it anywhere on streaming, Aww. so I just had to watch clips. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I watch the heartwarming, safe movie? It's like, yeah. So that is my last few days. Not very Star Wars, I'm afraid. I know yours was more Star Wars-y because you just happened to have rewatched a certain film, don't you, Kirsty?
1: Yeah, I watched The Force Awakens again last night um, Mm -hmm. as a a reward to myself for getting through a rough week. Oh, nice. Um, And, well, yeah, I I enjoyed it, obviously. That should go without saying. I like that movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really cool to watch it as we're getting to the end of the first season of Resistance.
0: Oh, I bet. Obviously,
1: everything is lining up really well with that opening. Yeah. You can really feel the pressure.
0: Yeah, I think that final double bill of resistance i think that's going to go so seamlessly with what happens in the force awakens that it's going to be like wow mind blown sort Mm -hmm. of impact so i'm very excited for that to happen um yeah it's all coming together yeah did um watching the force awakens again did it make you think oh i'm really looking forward to what jj does with nine now
1: I am really looking forward to it because I, nice. I think maybe fandom has kind of forgotten or at least like minimized and brushed into the carpet a lot of the stuff that was coming out in response to that movie afterwards. Yes. Because maybe it seems like small fry compared to the backlash from The Last Jedi. Yes. But there were, you know, a lot of concerns that he'd just like remade A New Hope or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I don't agree with, but I can see where people are coming from. Yes. So I think there's probably quite a lot of pressure on JJ now yeah, um, to do things a little differently and make something that feels somehow connected to the rest of it, but also a bit bolder. Yeah. Um. Maybe that's not what everyone wants. It's not like there's a guarantee of fandom being unified in any way and wanting the same things from the story, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, It's like there are all these possibilities, you know? Yeah, exactly.
0: It's a huge task. So I don't envy him it at all. But he seems to have taken all with very good humour and with great confidence. So I believe in JJ. I trust his ability to do something awesome. Because, yeah, I really love The Force Awakens. And I think it gets unfairly written off as that whole, oh, it's just derivative of A New Hope. And it's like, yeah sure there are certain things that are similar but for me it's different in all the ways that matter the most like the character dynamics and the beats and I know we've been over this a million times so I'm not gonna wax lyrical about it to a great degree but yeah I I love that movie and I've put my faith in JJ so yeah Yeah,
1: I know this is a very common view but Ray's introduction is just perfection
0: oh it really is yeah, and it's pure cinema as well. Yeah. It's just amazing how visual it is. It's so cinematic. It's great.
1: The way that's edited together is... I, I don't, I, I'm never sure how much of that stuff is like the director's responsibility versus editors. Yeah. I don't know the relationships that JJ has with his editors, how closely they work together, but either way, what they yeah. came up with was amazing.
0: Yeah. From what I understand, I think the editors were quite a big creative part of that film. I think what usually happens is that they'll cut it in the way that makes sense to them and then they'll show it to the director and get any feedback and take notes, basically, in terms of if they feel anything needs to be done differently. And yeah, so if it went that way, I'd give a lot of credit to the editors. I think one of the two editors who worked on The Force Awakens is coming back for Nine, which is a good thing, in my opinion. So I think that film was really well edited.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Right, okay. So I'm going to warn people in advance that this will be quite a short show because there hasn't been that much in the the way of news, to be honest, recently. Um, The vast majority of the news surrounds Galaxy's Edge. So this show is really going to be like 60% us talking about a theme park that (laughs) we won't realistically be able to go to for a long time. So it'll be us like, yeah, it's all this amazing crap going on at galaxy's edge it sounds great <laughs> doesn't it
1: <laughs> we'll try not to be too bitter about it yeah it's very exciting for people who will be able to visit
0: yeah absolutely yeah and um what we'll have to do is we'll have to get a guest on who can actually go quickly and get their thoughts obviously there's been so much coverage of this kirsty so it's difficult to know exactly where to begin but like what would you say has stood out to you the most from this latest wave of coverage And it is many things but if you could just pick one.
1: Oh, oh uh, i've got to be honest i didn't read everything i didn't have time oh no i didn't either trust me <laughs> I, was, yeah, I scanned one article about the food because i'm always interested in how they can like tie things in that way yeah. um I'm, I'm, I'm a big food person i like eating so <laughs> <Then> we all <laughs> <laughs> um so i was really interested to see how they would kind of present dishes in a way that would like seem alien but also appetizing yeah um obviously there's going to be alcohol served at the cantina there so that's uh-huh. kind of like an in- interesting like new aspect to it so they have all these different cocktails and they've got you know appropriately star warsy names so that was like the main thing that i looked at but also i was looking at that animatronic uh, hondo oh my god that was so freaky <laughs> Those engineers have like the coolest job because they're like working with robots and it's all very impressive and technical, but also they're at Disney. So it's like yeah. really fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it like it looks amazing. It's so, so well done. I showed it to a friend who was into Star Wars and she was just like, I hate it. I was like, why? How can you hate that? And she's like, it's just uncanny. Like, yeah. and I think that's a completely legitimate point because it is a bit creepy because it's motions are so completely lifelike and yeah it tricks you basically into thinking wow is that a person in this suit but nope it's just a robot
1: i've got to say the indiana jones that they have on the indiana jones adventure is really impressive too like it really right. does look like harrison ford
0: oh wow so they have an animatronic indiana jones yes oh my um, god that's so, amazing
1: yeah if people haven't listened to the show lately i was at disneyland a couple of weeks ago um i was not able to go on that ride and um, uh side note that's because i'm pregnant <laughs> which is obviously hugely exciting sorry i've not like not been able to work out when to casually slip that into the podcast yeah <laughs> as if anyone's interested but so that's very exciting but it means that i can't go on all those big scary rides yeah. and indiana jones is such a good ride Oh man. Uh, so my husband had to go on it himself <laughs> and he said that when he was on it there was this woman who shouted at the animatronic indie take off your shirt Ah!
0: (laughs) that's amazing oh my god (laughs) i love that so much magical memories indeed
1: (laughs) yeah so harrison ford still got it Um.
0: (laughs) you know that we'd be doing that if there's an animatronic kylo ren
1: well, so I did my due diligence as a serious Star Wars journalist <laughs> this week. <laughs> I asked Matt Martin of the Lucasfilm Story Group, um, mm-hmm. if you know Kylo is going to be shirtless on Galaxy's Edge because Asking the serious someone... questions, because Yeah. It's yeah. it's what everyone wants to know, let's be honest. Yes. And um unfortunately he replied that Batu can't handle shirtless Kylo. So that's, <sighs> that's a no. So um Yeah. I mean he's right. No yeah. one can handle shirtless Kylo.
0: At least there's potential for a clothed Kylo who you can still cackle.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Yeah, And if it's animatronic, it's okay to do that, I guess, as long as you're not making other people hugely uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, exactly. As long as it's not an actual human, because you just know. to be clear, I don't endorse that. That's not okay. Yep, so on the subject of Kylo Ren, one of the most exciting things to come out from this immense wave of coverage about Galaxy's Edge is that Kylo is going to be one of the characters involved in the ride, the Rise of the Resistance. Um, Would you care to read out points two and three that I have highlighted in the notes, Kirsty?
1: Sure. So this is from StarWars.com. In Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, you'll be captured by the First Order and come face to face with Kylo Ren. Outside of the Black Spire Marketplace is a forest area, which is where the Resistance is encamped. This is a time when the Resistance is back on their heels. They're a ragtag group and they're looking to rebuild, said Scott Trowbridge, who's the creative executive studio leader at Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, this is our opportunity to join the Resistance. The attraction will throw you right into the middle of a battle between the First Order and the Resistance and eventually inside a Star Destroyer. There, you'll encounter the First Order's Dark Enforcer. If you survive and make it back home, you just might become a Resistance hero. You'll encounter BB-8, Finn, Poe, and Rey on R- Rise of the Resistance. John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Daisy Ridley have all reprised their roles, respectively, for the attraction. In what form they'll appear is yet to be confirmed. BB-8 will be live and in person. <laughs> oh my god! As much as a droid can be. Plus, it's adorable. Um, and I think it, it doesn't say it here, but it said it in some of the articles that Adam Driver had also recorded new stuff. Yeah. Um, so
0: you're right that has been confirmed elsewhere the problem of all this coverage is it's so scattered and yeah in so many different places that gathering it all together is a challenge but yeah adam has definitely done stuff for it although we don't know what form that will take so yeah it sounds like an amazing ride which is really cool i, I think this would be my priority oh, like yeah. don't be don't wrong both rides would be my priorities there's also a falcon ride and they both sound great but Rise of the Resistance sounds like it's a real narrative, you know, and that's mm-hmm. really exciting to me.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're going through multiple stages and being transferred to different... I mean, Disney are great at those kind of things too. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm just very jealous of everyone who will get to go and do this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll make it happen, Kirsty, one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could maybe meet at the one in Florida.
0: Yeah, no, you know, I would love the that. the lottery. yeah. <laughs> If I go to Disneyland, I'd love to go to Disneyland with you. So yeah. Aww. <laughs> so, emotions. <laughs> Friendship.
1: Yeah, because uh, I guess they're not gonna have this stuff in like the Disneyland Paris, right?
0: Oh, I doubt it. Disneyland Paris is shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's that's not fair. It it's not shit. I've never been there. To be fair, I went when I was like five. So okay. I, I have no like coherent memories of it, but from what I understand it is quite like a watered down. Version oh, okay. and like I have been to Tokyo Disneyland as an adult, and like even then, I kind of had the feeling that I was experiencing something that was diluted, you know, from the Disneyland of legend. So it's still cool, but I didn't feel like I was at Disneyland, Disneyland. I feel like I won't have made it properly until I actually go to the American one, basically. Okay, yeah, um, but yeah, like I feel sorry for Kylo Ren from how they're describing this, they're still calling Kylo Ren the First Order's Dark Enforcer. It's like, come on, yeah, he's leading he's the First leader. Order
1: at this point. Jesus. Yeah, at this point, right? Because this is meant to be set between eight and nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like... He's more than an enforcer. <laughs> he's the fearsome
0: leader. Terrifying. Did he take a voluntary demotion or something? <laughs> he's like, sorry, I can't Maybe do Maybe this
1: is a already taken charge. Oh <my> God. <laughs> and he's back in his position where, well, he wasn't comfortable, but it's what he knows. <laughs> Can you remember how before The Last Jedi, like a
0: toy came out with like Poe's new rank and there was yeah. like lots of dialogue with us initially thinking he'd been promoted, but then it coming out that, oh, that's a rank that's lesser than the rank that he previously
1: had. And yeah. they're like spoiled that he We are not particularly well-versed in military rankings. So... Yeah. But I-, I maintain that the First Order and the Resistance seem to do it all backwards because yeah. what is the deal of Commander Pyre and Captain Phasma? That confuses me. Yeah, okay. that makes I no sense. Masters. Commander
0: should be above Captain, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just yeah. dumb. I guess she just really liked being called
1: Captain. <laughs> yes. That's my name. <laughs> First name Captain, second name Captain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so dumb. I love it.
0: Uh, yeah, there's another interesting point that I wanted to us to discuss. It's on point six, Kirsty. Would you care to read it out?
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was taking a sip of coffee. (laughs) Sorry. Galaxy's Edge was designed to be somewhat future-proof. Thanks to the efforts to define a history for Batuu, the land can go, in terms of story, anywhere Star Wars takes it. The place and the attractions have been built, Carrie Beck, Vice President, Animation and Live Action Series at Lucasfilm said. But everything that you can populate it with can be refreshed, can be updated, can be changed, and can be integrated. That's a really good point. Yeah. Like, I think the way they're doing it now is going to integrate perfectly into episode nine. Yes. Which I've kind of had my, cons- you know, on the days when I feel like really cynical about this stuff. Mm. um, I'm like, oh, you know, what if episode nine is kind of like weirdly a marketing tool for this theme park? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Because just- we're not sure if we're going to see Batu, right? Because the idea yeah. is that. Like they'll have gone to Batu after they leave Crete. Like that's the place they find their new base. Yes. And presumably a chunk of time has passed. But is it going to be all like, (laughs) I just don't want it to feel contrived, which, you know, I'm sure it won't. Yes, of course. It's just a little thing in the back of my mind. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Otherwise, episode nine would be like the most expensive commercial
1: ever made. Well, I'm sure they'd like to think if that's what they were going for, they'd be like, oh, but it's smoothly integrated. You wouldn't be able to tell. It's just a story. Like they would never acknowledge that that's what it is. Of course. Yeah. Synergy. Yeah, exactly. That word. (laughs) Um, But I like the fact that yeah they can move things around and they can update it because they will like they do that with the other lands too everything's dynamic there's always something new happening at disneyland yes um so yeah it must have been hard to like you know pick a planet yeah Just be like okay so star wars land is this one place because obviously the the appeal the huge appeal of star wars as the universe is that it's so diverse
0: yeah exactly so, So I have seen some people complaining, oh, why isn't it a planet we already know? But I think that would have been really limiting in a way. So I think Mm -hmm. it gives them a much more free hand to choose somewhere that's completely new.
1: Right. Yeah, I wouldn't know which one of the existing planets would have been a good choice because you've kind of got extremes, like you've got Coruscant, which you couldn't do, (laughs) and, and then you've got like... Tatooine which wouldn't be very exciting because the whole point is that (laughs) Luke is from this backwater and same with Jakku and (laughs) where would be ideal so
0: yeah no I think Batuu sounds like a really good choice and yeah the whole idea of being able to like adapt it and change things up as the like canon develops I think that's really promising um because yeah if we get redeemed Ben Solo maybe then he'll become one of the heroes yay (laughs) And then they might actually show Adam Driver with the mask off, which would be optimal. Because I'd be very shocked if in the first wave of this park they include Kylo Ren for the helmet in any way. I oh, it's going to be happening. a lot
1: easier to do things with the helmet on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially if they are going to do an animatronic Kylo, which I think is a real possibility. Because, yeah, they, they would do that with a helmet. There's no way they would make like an animatronic Adam Driver.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as much as people might want that. so. It all sounds really awesome, basically, which I feel like I'm just repeating myself a lot. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's so much great stuff, like all the shops and stuff, like they had shots of the merchandise that you can buy. And of course, it's also like shamelessly commercial that of course, it's always going to be. But those toys, they look so adorable. And I love how they're all in universe. Exactly.
1: It's a little different. It's not stuff you can buy online elsewhere. Um, yes so that appeals to me because like when I was down at Disneyland I was looking at a lot of the Lucasfilm merch that you you know can't easily get elsewhere yeah Um, so yeah those little like stuffed toys that look you know they've got like that handcrafted feel obviously not but yeah um yeah they look like the kind of toys that you would see you know in Jin Erso's home or yeah yeah very exactly. cute
0: it's about aiding the immersion basically
1: way, oh, it is funny to think about little kids in the star wars universe having finn ray and kylo dolls <laughs> yes
0: it's adorable <sighs> making them hold hands as you would um yeah and man the food actually i know you mentioned that earlier but just to bring it back around to that um i was really impressed by how nice the food looked because yeah. I, I'm sure that it's an idolised version of the food that we're seeing. Because obviously when they can photograph it in their ideal conditions, it's going to look especially amazing. But yeah, like it didn't look shitty. It looked really good. <laughs> it's like, wow, achievement. Oh. I yeah. hope it comes close to that in, in person. Because if so, it's going to be quite impressive.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's all got to be stuff that can be mass produced quickly, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, and... In in my experience, the food quality at Disneyland differs wildly depending on where you're going to get it. Yeah. So, you know, I tend to stay around like the New Orleans section because I love Cajun food anyway. Yeah. But then you can you can just as easily go out and get like pizza that's been under a a light for hours or <laughs> yeah. a hot dog or something. So. Yeah. Sure.
0: So wide um, spectrum.
1: I I've got to say, as much as I love like dairy free drinks like you know almond milk and oat milk and all that they don't say what it is but it's plant-based dairy which is obviously an oxymoron but um (laughs) the blue and green milk Uh it's not actually milk I know I was kind of disappointed by that I like milk it's weird (laughs) quote from Trowbridge he says if you're walking around Florida the last thing you want is a glass of milk it's like have you never heard of a milkshake yeah I was about to say lies (laughs) yeah they have like the the doll whip soft serve like the pineapple flavors as well so it's like you serve ice cream and milkshakes elsewhere and it's really good you can do like a float and stuff yeah
0: like it's probably come a long way since i last tried it but when i last had like almond milk i was like
1: oh you don't like it i love it (laughs) yeah
0: it it just did not go well with me i was like yeah no this isn't for me like it's i'm glad it exists because obviously there are many people who love it and there's many people who need to have that they're like lactose intolerant and stuff but yeah, just doesn't work for me too well. But I'm sure okay. they'll find ways to make it nice. But,
1: yeah, it sounds like oh it doesn't have the description here in the stuff we've got, but um elsewhere I read that they're gonna like flavour them with like fruity flavours and that. So it'll okay. it'll be kind of like more more of a dessert really.
0: Yeah. They basically sell like milkshakes. They're really milkshakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think would your poison be, kirsty Would you be
1: a moof? person or a thalassiren person uh i think i'd want the thalassiren just because that scene is so iconic in the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah no I i'm love very that. disappointed that i haven't seen any animatronic thalassirens so far <laughs> but yeah, low effort yeah whatever they should have like a fountain <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i would love that just to, like yeah, the I water just... spraying
0: liberally from its udders. It just, like being the ultimate middle finger to the people who hate the last Jedi.
1: Well, that scene as well. Like some people just really take issue of because it it's supposedly so degrading to Luke and it's like mm, I like it. Yeah. What are you saying?
0: Are you saying that like milkmaids aren't people? Milkmaids well, are
1: people. That is what I don't understand. <laughs> I mean we're getting wildly off track here, but like people who they think it's like degrading that he's milking this creature and it's like no he's like one with the land yeah he's he's living off the land and yeah what's the problem yeah. and he's loving <laughs> always it me.
0: he loves the milk it's great you should be happy for him <laughs> uh right and yeah i think this is previously announced but it's very cool that they got old johnny williams back to do the music for it
1: mm-hmm
0: so, yep, that's a marker of quality. So that would be really cool. I'm sure they'll release that in advance as well. So hopefully the unlo- unfortunate among us, like us too, will still be able to experience that.
1: Yeah, we already listened to a little piece of it, right?
0: Yeah, I think didn't EW premiere some of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. so we heard a little bit through that. And it sounded cool, as you would expect, from Meester M- Williams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's impressive. Um. And I love that there's going to be cocktails, alcoholic drinks. I'm sure they'll cost the moon and the sun or whatever the expression is. But they've got a very nice selection from the looks of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a little interested to see how that's going to go.
0: Why? <laughs> Are you like thinking about drunk people in the stars? Land? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure they'd be very diligent at like throwing people out if they become... <laughs> Rowdy. You know, if they've had too much, but... I don't
0: know it presents a risk. I'm sure the mm. queues will be so monumentally long that, that even is the true. most desperate of alcohol driven people will find it difficult to get more than one glass, so
1: yeah, you yeah. one, but <laughs> yeah, they all look very appetizing, so
0: yeah, no, this just really cool, um. Right, is there anything else from that main article on stars.com that you'd like to discuss, Kirsty? So we've got a separate one on Entertainment Weekly, but that has a bit of a different focus.
1: I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot, and, you know, if you're interested, obviously go and read it. we have got more details of the food and everything. Um, I'm not sure if they had pictures on that one, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, right. Um... Just before we move on to the next part of the show, which will be a continued discussion of the Galaxy's Edge coverage, um, you will probably notice the difference in the quality incoming because <laughs> Kirsty wasn't recording for the first part of the show. Um, for no fault of anyone's, it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, quality should dramatically improve now. So yeah, apologies about any issues of the auditory nature in the first part of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, my mic was working which has not been true of every episode in the past. <laughs> but for some reason I'd hit record and then it just like stopped of its own volition. No. So that's fun. <laughs> uh, but Rachel is ever prepared and she was recording at her end so. Yeah. <laughs> There's something. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. Uh yeah, no. So
0: we have the first part of the show thanks to our Lord and Savior MP3 Skype recorder free edition of um, <laughs> which is magic and our friends is always there chugging away in the background saving our asses so yep we're very grateful um right okay so to move into the next part of the show would you care to read out the first part of the ew article i have highlighted Kirsty?
1: yeah so this is more galaxy's edge stuff um so as an occupied city This isn't a sleepy backwater anymore. The First Order recently sent a garrison here seeking something. We don't know what they're trying to find, but we know a little about the stormtroopers who are doing the hunting. The 709th, the Red Fury, says Scott Trowbridge, the Imagineering creative executive in charge of Galaxy's Edge. There are some stories to be told about those folks and why they're here, what they came looking for or who they came looking for. This elite squad from the First Order has arrived on a new ship, the TIE Echelon, which has a cockpit similar to Kylo Ren's Batwing shuttle, but the curved foils of Darth Vader's TIE Advanced X-1. A life-sized version of the TIE Echelon is parked in the First Order-controlled sector of Black Spire Outpost, near one of the entrances to the land. Don't try to touch it. The Red Fury doesn't like strangers approaching their ship. Just keep your head down and head to the Blue Milk Stand on the other side of the courtyard. (laughs) have a blue milk
0: yeah i love discussing this It's also like bizarrely abstract because obviously the guy writing this anthony bresnikin he has been to this place he's wandered around so it has a physicality for him that it just doesn't have for us Mm. so yeah like it's weird to read about it in this way It, it all sounds cool and it's interesting how they've built up this narrative around the location i know that's a big part of the deal with disneyland and they try to make it immersive and stuff and like there's a real story going on but it seems like they've taken that to the next level with this
1: Mm. um is it just me or does some of this stuff tie into things that we've heard recently potentially spoilery about episode 9
0: it's not just you
1: okay because i was like this is the first time i've read this yeah so i don't know how to discuss it right now because i don't want to spoil anything for people who are staying spoiler free for that
0: yeah what we'll probably do because this does tie in somewhat to things we've been hearing about episode nine is we'll return to this at the end of the show with a brief spoiler segment which will clearly demarcate okay with the spoiler siren so that anyone who's spoiler reverse can easily skip it um So yes, keep this in the backs of your minds if you want to hear us discuss it further. But for now, we'll just move on to the final part of the CW coverage that we want to discuss.
1: Um, Kirsty, would you care to read it? Mm -hmm. Employees as characters. Each park worker or cast member in Disney parlance will also be playing a character as they go about their jobs. They may be serving up sandwiches at the Ronto Roaster, guiding you on to rides or cleaning up the grounds but they're also being trained in improvisation and role play <laughs> we're encouraging them to create their own identities and personas said Kerrison. they are local Batuans but remember some of these cast members might n- know nothing about Star Wars we are encouraging them to know about their daily lives where you work you know what you're selling and who you're working for they're also being encouraged to talk about politics although not earth politics <laughs> thank god <laughs> Every worker will have an opinion of what's recently taken place here, which is the First Order arriving a couple of weeks ago, Kerrison adds. There's a lot of gossiping. There's a lot of whispers and rumours about what's going on. There might be cast members who are resistance sympathizers helping them out. There might be some cast members who are First Order loyalists who are like, finally, order! My gosh, someone's going to do something about this place, right? While training those who aren't savvy about Star Wars lore, they also have to restrict the workers who are superfans. We do have to set guardrails and parameters, Kerison says. Some are so incredibly excited that they're making up things that make us go, okay, okay, wait, 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 you can't be Han's second cousin, okay? <laughs> okay, I, I'm i sure that all of this stuff is very carefully vetted and approved. Yes. But I'm just picturing someone being like, yeah, I'm Finn's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and i <laughs> just saying that to someone and this could go wrong yeah
0: i i have like this would present such a huge temptation for me so i know for a fact that what i would do is i'd go to all the cast members and i'd be like so what do you think about supreme leader kylo
1: well yeah people will ask those kind of things yeah
0: no exactly and and i presume they will have to have answers you know which i would be very interested in hearing (laughs) it's like i'm trying to think about what's like the most cringy, yeah, hopefully not completely incriminating thing I could ask about Kylo. I guess it'd be something like, so have you heard any talk about marriage alliances for the Supreme Leader?
1: (laughs) Because there's this really great fanfic.
0: (laughs) I heard this this like princess on Coruscant who's like totally into him. (laughs) I presume they'd just like stare at me like I was a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, this is going to be very interesting because there are some people in the Star Wars fandom who frankly do not know, in my opinion, how to separate Earth politics from space politics. Yes. So if they've got someone, you know, one of these so-called First Order loyalists, these people, I don't know if it's just like the way online rhetoric goes, but yeah. they are there are genuinely Star Wars fans who will call you a Nazi sympathizer <laughs> for you know being into a first order character. Yeah, they're going to have
0: serious issues with the first order loyalists.
1: Yeah. They're gonna be like you fascists. I'm sure there's already been backlash to Tam. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see how this goes to be
0: honest. Yeah, no definitely. Oh my god, like I think <laughs> that would just basically be all my fun going around talking to the cast members. <laughs> Like, so, yeah. have
1: you heard anything about Rey of Jakku? She's awesome, right? Well, that's the thing. I didn't get to meet Rey at Disneyland, unfortunately, in Launch oh. Bay. Rey-, Rey and Kylo weren't there. Um, So I met Vader and Chewie, which is very different. Yes. But apparently if people meet Rey, you know, that's like a real person who's, she's dressed up, but she's like, she is taking on the character of Rey and she's, you can ask her questions about her life and what yes. she thinks of the other characters in the movie and everything. and. I'm sure a lot of it is improv, but she'll also have it in mind, like, what she's supposed to say about each of the characters and everything. Yeah. It, it, it'll be that kind of thing, but on a much grander scale.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. So, I'm sure the cast members will go back to their managers with so many questions. But, yeah. uh, this person asked me this today and I really
1: <laughs> didn't know how to respond. Oh, you're probably going to get some people testing them as well. Oh, no. Because, like, they're saying, like, well, not everyone is a super fan, you know, because some people, this is just a job. Yeah, of course. Um, But you'll probably get people, like, grilling them on Star Wars lore and, like, hoping that they slip up.
0: I hope people are kind.
1: Mm. (laughs) Oh, my
0: goodness. But, yeah, no, it all sounds great and, like, an amazing place. And, yeah, I look forward to getting someone who can go on the show because I was really surprised. It sounds like it's opening at the Disneyland Resort in California in the summer, which is way sooner
1: than I expected. No, me too. That's going to be too late for me to go, but... um... Oh yeah, I was talking to Courtney when I was there and, and she said that. I was like, what? I thought it was like four. Yeah. Yeah, that's a decent chunk of time between this and episode nine being released. Yeah. So I'm guessing that like not a ton of it, I mean, they're going to be very careful not to make it spoilery or anything. Yeah. But it's going to be hopefully very effective for the people who are able to go to like bridge that gap between eight and nine along with resistance.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in terms of the appearances of the sequel trilogy characters, yeah. because we know that Rise of the Resistance, for example, is going to be set between the Last Jedi and Episode Nine. So, like, how are they going to look? Are they going to be wearing the clothes that we're going to see them in in Episode Nine? Or are they going to be wearing like unique clothes for the ride experience? I'm so I intrigued. I can't
1: remember where I saw it. It was one of these kinds of articles that had like a little description of the ride. Yeah, and it said that like it starts with or earlier on anyway. You you get a hollow of Ray who's right. telling you that Poe will be taking you on a flight, um, right? And then that gets intercepted by the First Order, and then you're interrogated by Kylo and everything. So it's like, yeah, you're gonna see all of these characters and these different things. But you know, at that point, presumably, Ray and Poe have become acquainted and they're friends now. So it's this like weird thing where we're not going to have these gaps filled but their relationships will have changed because time's moved on
0: yes exactly so god i just want to know what's gonna happen spoilers for a theme park this is the point we've (laughs) reached (laughs) i wonder if we'll need the spoiler siren for that
1: (laughs) well it's weird because it's like all of this stuff is canon but i know this fandom has a fixation on what's canon and what's not but you kind of do, don't you? Because it's like, well, this is part of the story. So yeah. like they will have been very careful that every part of this feeds into what's actually going to happen within the trilogy. Yes. So we do want to know. Exactly. Right.
0: Okay. Then to move into the next item of news, we have had a few more announcements about who's going to come to celebration and some of the things that we can expect to see there. So I'll just name the guests. I won't read all the stars press release. Because I was just like, so-and-so played so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. So we have Ray Park, who obviously played Darth Maul. Um, then we have Matt Lanter, who played Anakin Skywalker in The Clone Wars. And Tia Sikar, who was Sabine Ren in Rebels. See, look how quick and easy that was. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so those are all names who will be coming. And we have also, just as we started recording, had talk of a much bigger name coming to Celebration,
1: haven't we, Kirsty? Yeah, someone tweeted out. Oh, I should check. I don't remember who it was who said it.
0: Jake Hamilton. To- Apparently, who's an
1: anchor, for, anchor <laughs> for Fox News. Okay. Oh, yeah. In Chicago. Uh, he said, Oscar Isaac just told me he's coming to Chicago for celebration, Woo! which is really exciting because he wasn't in Orlando. Yeah. No, so, that's a big
0: gap. Mm
1: hmm.
0: Yeah. So Oscar Isaac is a fide movie star.
1: So, yeah. yeah. So I guess he'll be on the episode nine panel and maybe he'll be doing photo slots oh my god
0: if he does photos then we need to get photos with him that's like a once in a lifetime
1: yeah it would be really great if he did but also i wouldn't blame him if he didn't because it's probably quite time consuming to be there yeah to meet all those fans and, and i'm sure it gets a bit boring to be honest <laughs> for the person well i don't know like i guess it depends on your personality because it'd be kind of nice to meet fans and everyone's really into it a yeah celebration um I guess it'd be like yeah. introvert, nightmare, extrovert, great time. Well, they don't give you an awful lot of time to say hello. Like, yes, you know, you, you go in and you can say something quickly as you're taking the photo and everything and thank them. and every- But it's not like they have to have a full on conversation with everyone Yes, yeah. because it would take way too long to do that. So, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know, it depends on your personality, but it might be kind of relaxing just to be like, yeah, I'm going to stand here and people can, can meet me and... And some money, yeah, that's true.
0: I guess if you like bask in an adoration, then it would be great, yeah,
1: exactly. Because everyone who's coming to see you must be a fan, yes, so. exactly.
0: And they're all going to be like wide eyed and adoring, so yeah. It's like, oh. yeah, so it's quite sweet. Um, but yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, I'm sure Ray Park will have another panel as well. He always seems to have panels about Darth Maul things,
1: yeah, because. I mean, there's the whole solo thing. They haven't announced a solo panel yet, but there's got to be one, surely. Yeah. No, that's um, true.
0: Yeah. And he'll that will give him a whole new thing to talk about as well, because yeah. I don't think he's really had much opportunity to speak about that publicly, has he? Coming back as so. well. Because so. it
1: was so secret. There was, no, <laughs> there was nothing press related before it. So I'm yeah. still amazed that they managed to keep that secret, to be honest. Yeah, that
0: was quite an achievement. So, yeah. Yeah. Nope, those are all sure names. So, yeah, it's exciting. And then the panel news. It, to be fair, it's panel news it isn't going to be like super exciting for us because we're not into the games. Um, but there is going to be a panel on the new video game Jedi Fallen Order. And then there's going to be tryouts for other video games like on the show floor. Um, that's the sort of thing I might do it if there was, like no line. But I don't think there ever would be no line. <laughs> so. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, if there's nothing else huge going on at that time, maybe, you know, yeah. you can put it in as an alternate. Yeah, um, exactly. I, for some people, that would be their main thing. Because, like, yeah. what I love about Star Wars is that you get fans who are into every aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. So, some people, little video games will be number one.
0: Yeah. So I remember that when I met Melissa to go to Star Wars Celebration Europe, my priority was the Future Films panel. Um, But I was so intrigued and fascinated because Melissa's priority was going into the queue for the Kylo Ren exclusive figure. And to me, I was like, but how? How could anyone not be most interested in the future filmmakers panel?
1: But merch is a huge thing for people.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it was a learning experience for me because it made me appreciate that. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all now. But at the time, I was just like,
1: oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of the early days, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely <laughs> a
0: more innocent time
1: <laughs> before we'd even started the show. Yeah.
0: Oh my Actually, goodness.
1: Last night I was watching a little bit of JJ's commentary for the Force Awakens, and it made me weirdly nostalgic for our early episodes because that oh. came out like just as we were getting going.
0: Yes. Oh my God, you're right. That oh, that commentary coming out was amazing. I, I remember know, so there was validating. a user on Tumblr, I think Mummies and Lightsabers, mm-hmm. who got the disc like before everyone else basically and she wrote like this summary and I remember people just freaking out on mass, it was great
1: yeah it was really funny to see a Raylo shipper on Tumblr getting like this press attention from legit (laughs) 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 outlets because yeah she got, somehow it must have been sent to her by mistake but it was like she had it before everyone else and there was stuff in that commentary that's pretty revealing yeah So.
0: right and then to move on um, we just want to talk quickly about some of the art that's been revealed for the Star Celebration Art Show. Because this is always one of the highlights of Celebration and one of the parts we're most intrigued by, perhaps. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've just picked out a few pieces that are especially interesting to us to discuss. And the first shows Padme in profile and she's in her wedding dress with like this beautiful beading on the headdress part i guess and you can kind of see vader's mask superimposed over her face Mm. and it's a really striking image and yeah this is by zoltan simon and it's called ill-starred love slash the good of the good in him would you care to read out the description which is from simon below
1: yeah star wars has so many strong motifs and archetypes i always find inspiration in them the idea of this image came into my mind when I was standing in a beautiful garden at Lake Como last September at the shooting location of the wedding scene from Attack of the Clones. The picture captures the dark and inevitable future in a beautiful and happy moment, Darth Vader's mask building up like a cracked glass coffin around Padme's face. From the opposite point of view, if we try to see through Vader's mask, we can see the love and the good in him, the good that never left him. I love this so much.
0: Yeah, same. Reading that description actually makes me fall in love with it that little bit more. Because you can really see those layers in it. I think if I were to buy any of these pieces, this is probably the one that would be most tempting to me.
1: Yeah, I'm really trying to resist because I was just saying to you, I have so much Star Wars art already and plenty of it isn't even up on the wall. Yeah. But I really, I'm such a sucker for Anakin and Padme stuff that has this like macabre element to it. Yes. Um, do you remember that amazing variant comic cover that came out? I think it was sometime last year, and it was Vader like in his full suit, obviously, but like he was holding Padme. Yes. And she was like in that swooning pose. Yes. I um, remember and in that her very funeral well. Funeral outfit. So it's like obviously meant to be abstract. It's not really literally happening, but it's symbolic of the fact that he still loves her, even though she's gone. Yeah. And he's haunted by everything that he did. Yeah. Um. Oh,
0: I love it. Master yeah. husbands, so nice. Yeah, it's
1: really well done.
0: Yeah, it's just a quality, quality piece. So yeah, it's and beautiful. Just,
1: I love Padme's wedding dress so much. I was able to see it a couple of years ago at the exhibit. Oh Can't what god, it's called, but the that's one so nice. Was that the power a of, of costumes? Of up- yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it came to Seattle a couple of years ago, and the detail on it is just incredible. Like, I can't remember the exact amount of time they said that it took them to make it, but they, they hand-sewed every single pearl onto that dress. Wow. And there are thousands of them. It just yeah. looks so amazing. It doesn't amazing. surprise me. I'll never forget all those,
0: like, hours I spent as a teenager looking at Padme's costumes <laughs> and the cosplay versions that people have made of them. I'm really excited to see all the Padme's, that there are inevitably going to be a celebration. It's like oh sure yeah, did they're you... going to look boss.
1: Did you see Courtney's
0: recent pictures? Oh, I think I did. Is it the picnic dress?
1: Yes. Yeah. She, she just looked looks so perfect. good. I'm like, oh my God. It must be so expensive to make dresses like that. But yeah. Wow.
0: It, it pays off because it looks stunning. Okay. And then the next one that we have coming up is by Brandon Kenny. And it's called Malstrom. And it shows Rey and Kylo Ren back to back in their throne room scene against the Praetorian guards. So it's not quite the fight grab moment, but <laughs> it is a very nice dynamic action pose for both of them, and I really like how both the characters are presented. Like Kylo Ren is like almost like feral looking. He's like looking very aggressive. He's got like a clenched fist, and Ray behind him is looking more like hesitant and like oh shit, I <laughs> <laughs> what she's got herself into. So yeah, it's just a really nice dynamic image.
1: Yeah, he says, I wanted to convey the excitement and chaos of the scene from The Last Jedi. So much is happening at this point in the movie that it feels like a whirlwind. Ray and Kylo are teaming up even though they stand at odds with each other. They represent opposite sides of the force but have a common ground and try to reach each other through it. Truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we both have the piece that Brandon Kenny made for Celebration Europe, right? Which yes. is also Ray and Kylo. But it has more of like, it really reminds me of like a cover for a Jane Austen or a Jane Eyre novel. Yes. Like an edition of that because it's like really got this whole Byronic shadow figure. Yeah. Absolutely. Going on and Ray in the, in the light in the foreground.
0: Yeah. And then Carlos in the back in the shadows, like gazing at her, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I really like that composition. Yeah, I think I kind of prefer this one as a piece of art. So I think the likenesses are more on point in this one than they were in his previous piece. But I prefer the like symbolic stuff going on in the earlier one, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, they're both great images, basically. They're really good. So yeah, I'm sure it will sell well. And then the next piece is by Karen Hallian, and it's called No One Is Ever Really Gone and it shows that lovely scene from The Last Jedi where Luke is kissing Leia on the head like at their final meeting and yeah you can also see little Vader and Kylo helmets as well in the corners. Yeah, with a
1: forget-me-nots.
0: Yep, very, very on point point. and the legend No One Has Ever Really Gone after the title of the piece. So yeah, would you like to read out what Karen had to say, Kirsty?
1: I was heartbroken when Carrie Fisher passed away, so my illustration not only captures a beautiful moment in the movie between two characters I adore, but it's also a tribute to Carrie herself. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, this scene was one of my all-time favourites. Princess Leia has been an inspiration for a very long time because growing up there were not a lot of strong female characters like Leia. Now, as an adult, getting to see her story all the way through and see her become a general is just incredible.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was really cool and it's nice that she got the opportunity to express that love and respect for Carrie and the character through such a nice piece as this because, yeah, I really like how it drills down to the meaning of that scene and really embodies it because, yeah, it very much makes it about that hope and redemption that are always at the core of Star Wars, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's got all the details with Vader and Kylo's helmets and Han's dice and the ring that Leia wears in the movie. So, this is another one that I was really tempted by.
0: Yeah. It's like Star Celebration is just going to be a procession of temptations, I guess. (laughs) Yep. And then we have another piece by Jason Palmer called There Is Another. And this basically displays various women from Star Wars lore. (laughs) Um, Yeah, would you like to read out the quote from Jason Kirsty?
1: I was just drawing a blank, but hoping my muse would show up. I started to think about how, to my great relief, women were playing a greater role in the world around us, as well as in the galaxy far, far away. In my mind's eye, I saw them all in a room together. They were smiling, chatting amongst themselves, laughing. They were getting ready for a group portrait. Boom, there it was. It reminds me of like those Vanity Fair photos. Yes. <laughs> you no. Know, when they do like the actors of the moment, the Hollywood issue or something. Yes, like that.
0: you're so right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. And it's kind of like similarly strange because mm-hmm. on those like Vanity Fair covers is often like these dissimilar actors who under normal circumstances you would never imagine seeing together and that's very much the case with what is happening here so you have like kira adventurous just chilling together you've got rose and phasma just like sat side by side like yep
1: yeah they're just chatting amongst themselves
0: <laughs> I wonder what beverages they both drink and yeah not everyone looks very at peace and cool with each other <laughs> it's, like, it's just so weird it's like a really nice piece there's a great concept for a piece but just if you take it literally, which is where my mind always goes in situations like this, it just leads to like the most bizarre situations. Mm-hmm. Like, hey guys.
1: Yeah, it's a really great celebration of the female characters. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, it's nicely done. Holdo chilling behind Phasma and Rose as well. <laughs> Looks a bit ghostly though.
1: Yeah, she's kind of blending in with the... The purple background
0: yeah maybe it's meant to be like canonically after her death or something oh man although i'm not even going to think about canon in this image that just doesn't work at all it's just the path to madness and yeah then there were two other images you wanted to talk about kirsty right the ray lifting rocks and the other one with and Leia.
1: yeah so ray's faith is obviously um depicting that moment towards the end of the Last Jedi when Ray comes into her own and like believes in herself that she can do this and saves the resistance by lifting the rocks on crate. Um it's a really beautiful depiction of that. Um and then the Han and Leia one, I really like this one. It's stylized like a playing card. Yep. So you can I guess you could show it either way. Um but it's showing their evolution of as a couple from Empire to the Force Awakens.
0: Yeah. Which is a really nice contrast to show them as this iconic, young, romantic couple. And then on the flip side is this more mature, experienced couple who've been through lots of shit. And to show that those are two parts of the same whole, basically. They're both different aspects of the same relationship.
1: Hmm. Do you think this is all, all of the artwork that they're going to show now? Do yes. They've, they've put it all up because they were doing it kind of staggered.
0: Yeah. No, I think we've got everything there's going to be now
1: okay i was kind of hoping for some finn and rose
0: yeah no i Um, did generally feel the sequel trilogy was a bit underrepresented to be
1: honest i guess there's just so much now and to be fair this is only a small section of what will be available they're going to have artist alley too so there'll be plenty of fan art to look through yeah absolutely this is this is just kind of like what lucasfilm are deciding to spotlight
0: yeah it's kind of like tip of the iceberg Well, I must say, I do think, like, free portraits solely dedicated to Ahsoka is a little bit excessive.
1: (laughs) I wonder if Dave Filoni was part of the selection process. Yeah, that did cross my mind, to be honest. But she's a very popular character,
0: so... Yeah, no, exactly. So Um... I think a a factor in what is chosen to spotlight is probably going to be what do we think is going to sell, you know, which is a completely reasonable consideration for something like this, so... Yeah, and like you say, there's going to be a definite audience out there for it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, makes sense. Okay, cool. Right, so then I think we can move in to discuss Star Wars Resistance. So the latest episode was The Disappeared. Would you like to read out the rather long synopsis that we have, Kirsty?
1: As the First Order tightens its grip on the Colossus, racing is banned. Several outspoken Colossus residents, including Ace Squadron leader Hype Phazon and Aunt Z, mysteriously disappear. Kaz helps his friend Tora to investigate Hype's disappearance. Meanwhile, Yigar and Captain Dozer join forces to send a message to Resistance. Kaz and Tora discover that Hype, Aunt Z, and two other alien residents are being imprisoned in the West's docks. They free the prisoners and help them escape off-world. Returning to Yiga's shop, Kaz and Team Fireball are arrested by Commander Pyre dun 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 yeah a lot happens
0: <laughs> yeah it's a very action-packed episode although i'll tell you what stood out to me the most in this episode is the fact that um aunt z is a great character and she's probably my favorite minor resistance character she's just a legend
1: she's, she is really great when i was watching the force awakens again last night uh-huh. when uncar uncar plot came on i was like oh aunt z would kick your ass
0: yeah no seriously i have this in my notes i think but as I was watching Resistance, I was thinking about there's an AU somewhere where Unkar and Aunt Z were once an item, but she obviously realised he was a piece of shit and she kicked him to the curb. But this was after Ray had come into their lives. And so Aunt Z took pity on little Ray and took her with her to the Colossus. And so, like, Ray grew up as like, Aunt Z's foster daughter. And it's like, God. I, I wish it had happened for Ray's Definitely. sake. Poor Yeah. Ray. She would have had a much nicer life.
1: Just someone to care about her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, please.
1: Yeah. She could have worked the bar or something.
0: <laughs> so just anything other than that shitty life that she had. Because, yeah, you know, Anzi would have been like a nice sort of mum character to have.
1: Oh, yeah. She'd have taken care of her.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. Plut's an asshole. So it's good. It shows that. Plat species I think Crowloots or whatever they're called they're not all dicks so yeah it's it's a positive
1: representation
0: (laughs) exactly yeah so uh, yeah what were your thoughts overall on
1: this episode Kirsty oh I really loved it yeah Um, and I loved it kind of started to bring up stuff that was you know um, positioned earlier in the show like the relationship between Tam and Hype yeah because she like straight up didn't believe him or stuff you know she was like well you don't trust him yeah, he, he's a liar. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and kind of what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, all this stuff with like Tam feeling increasingly suspicious, completely understandably because they are lying to her. Yeah. The rest of Team Fireball, and um, her sympathies for the First Order and and feeling like they're there for good. Yeah. No, I really um, liked how like that First
0: Order trooper literally like gave her the whole recruitment speech. <laughs> and she's like
1: totally into it it's like ooh, i can i mean i think we've said this before but i think it's going that way where tam might seriously consider becoming a part of the first order yeah
0: and i really hope she does i know that might sound a bit too enthusiastic to like a creepy degree but i just think that would be such an interesting story for her
1: she might get to
0: fly that way yeah which is what she wants to do exactly and i think there's an opportunity for like real lost stars-esque drama In that sort of scenario. Where we have this character who we've grown to love. And become really attached to in Tam. Because we do like Tam. She obviously gets pissed off of Kaz a lot. But I think she gets pissed off of him in a very righteous way. So I think you'd completely understand her motives. And where she's coming from. If she were to make that choice. And while we'd recognise that the First Order were. Still evil and bad, We'd recognise. Tam's humanity in that situation. And she'd be like a great. Point of view character to have.
1: Yeah, it's this pretty big deal that Kaz and Yiga have been lying to her this entire time. Yeah, that they haven't they haven't trusted her with this information, and the tragedy in the end might be that had they trusted her, she would have had more understanding of the political situation. Yeah, and um, made some different choices.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which it would just raise like such a great and uh, like natural conflict for those characters, because that's the sort of thing where. Yeah, it's been happening all season, but it never crossed my mind that there would be any actual payoff to it. So there is actual payoff in Tam being like, no, you've always lied to me. You never trusted me. So I'm not going to believe you now. I'm going to go for the first order because they have been direct with me and they have been honest with me. Mm-hmm. I, I would buy that. And I think that would be really point, interesting.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, there's so much cool stuff going on. And I love that um, Anzi and Hype as well, didn't he? They went to
1: Takadana. Mm. Yeah, I've got to say, that is probably not the best place to go right now if you're looking to avoid the First Order. <laughs> yes.
0: It's massively ironic, isn't it, when you think about <laughs> it? Like they're going to get there and they're going to be like, oh, finally, we can relax and chill.
1: <laughs> and it's like, the First Order are in,
0: Oh, shit.
1: Mm. So, obviously, she's referring to Maz there. It can't be anyone else, an old friend on Takadana.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I want a, like, team-up episode between Maz and Aunt Z. I don't care what they do. They can just, like, start a new business operation together. That's fine. I just want an episode about it.
1: Maybe they were exes Oh, nice. Maz gets around.
0: Yeah, there no, she does. <laughs> and Maz seems, like, completely open-minded in terms of who she's interested in. So, yeah, I could see it.
1: Yeah, I've seen all this sort of, like... I don't know. I just love the age difference between Maz, who's like what a thousand years old, and <laughs> the master codebreaker, who's probably in his like late forties. Max. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a toy
0: boy. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah, exactly. You fight those stereotypical gender norms. Ha. <laughs> um, yeah, and I loved how. <laughs> the first order was so transparently against fun in this episode (laughs) so no we don't want the racing I know they have actual like military reasons for like banning the racing but it just like came off as like
1: people having fun how lame I don't know you really feel for these characters especially hype because like this is his career this is everything that his life is based around if he can't do that and he's where is he gonna go to like start afresh now
0: yeah exactly it's not a good time (laughs) Yeah, how much maybe he can join the be?
1: resistance, but I don't know how much interest he has in that.
0: Yeah, I kind of sense that there's really not going to be much like demand for just like showy, for fun racing at this point in time. I think it's very much going to be like, what are you doing? Why aren't you actually out there doing something? If you're a talented pilot like that. So I think you'd very much feel pressure from people to pick a side and contribute.
1: Yeah. We'll see if we see more more of hype this season. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt a bit final, to be honest. And there's so much else to wrap up now in the yeah. last few episodes that yeah, I'd say he's gone. Um, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else to say about this?
1: Um. Well, just that it's like obviously gearing up to something pretty mind blowing because. I mean, they're arrested at the end of it. That's a huge deal. Yep. Like, Kaz is basically being caught out on his lies now. It's, like, unclear how the first order got this information. It's potential that Tam told them what was going on or what she thought was going on. Yeah. Or he was, like, somehow caught on camera. Yeah. <laughs> Robing around the West docks because he does that kind of thing a lot. Yeah. Right, so...
0: With all of that out of the way, which surprised me, actually, we had a much more substantial show of those things than I expected we would, Um, we can actually move on to have a very brief spoiler discussion returning to what we were speaking about before with regards to Galaxy's Edge, um, specifically this section on an occupied city and how some of it might tie into episode 9 and what we've been hearing about it. So, yep, here's the spoiler siren.
1: shouldn't do it
0: right okay (laughs) so we came so close to talking about actual spoilers (laughs) in that section that we realized like yeah we need to actually stop now um because yeah we've had lots of reports coming out haven't we Kirsty? that kind of align with what has now emerged in this ew article about galaxy's edge so do you like to
1: explain that this red well they're called the Red Fury I'm guessing that this is what is supposed to line up with what Jason has told us at Making Star Wars that there's this group of red troopers Mm -hmm. so a new kind of troop Yes. that are on a specific mission so they're looking for something which lines up with the other things that he's told us that are then referred to in this article again that the First Order are looking for something Or we don't know what that something is yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is so... intriguing. The whole part about who they're looking for, that seemed quite pointed, to add that. So that did make me wonder if this mysterious MacGuffin that everyone's alluding to might be a person rather than an object.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So now I'm not sure what to make of this because... I mean, it makes sense that stuff from Galaxy's Edge will feed into Nine, but the question is to what extent.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And is it really going to be more of a Galaxy's Edge type thing? Or is it going to be more of a 9 thing? And by that I mean, like, will the MacGuffin ultimately be revealed to be something that's significant in the context of Galaxy's Edge, but not significant in the context of Episode 9? Or will it be more that Galaxy's Edge started out by teasing this whole concept of a search for something or someone, and then that thread will be picked up by Episode 9? And mm. that the film will actually reveal what it is that everyone's looking for.
1: Yeah, I can see that being the case. Uh, the second. You know, it, yes. Yeah. I mean, it could just as easily be the first, but it'd be more interesting for it to be the second, right? Yeah. But like you're you you're planting the seeds here, so people get some sense of what the story is between the you know, between episodes eight and nine. Yes. But you don't actually get the answers until you see the movie.
0: Yeah. So I know that you mentioned the, the cynical part of you is thinking, mm, how much of this, is there, a, is there a risk of episode nine basically functioning as a commercial for the theme park? But reading this sort of thing, I kind of think it's going to be more a question of the theme park serving as a hype machine and a commercial for the film. So I think it will work the other way around. And of course it will be like reciprocal. So the film will also feed excitement for the park. But I do think the fact that the park is opening first that is going to build that hype and anticipation for episode nine when that comes about.
1: Yeah, I guess the only thing I'm concerned about there is that people who can't make it to the park, like yeah. live on the other side of the world, or don't make that much money, because yes. Disneyland is expensive, I hope that this isn't a case of people feeling like they've actually missed out on part of the story. Yeah. Because this this is different from just not having read one of the high in books yes books are a lot more accessible you can get to the library yeah of course so that's just a little concern for me that it's gonna like you know show the stratification of the fandom and i know that to an extent the fandom has this commercial aspect to it because we're all spending money to various degrees on star wars stuff but yes this is prohibitively expensive for lots of people
0: yeah absolutely like, I'd like to think that they're very conscious of that, and that while there will be like little teases and allusions to what's gonna happen in episode nine, it won't be anything that isn't reintroduced in the film itself. I don't think there'll be anything key that's solely content for Galaxy's Edge, basically. And I think they've also mentioned before that these books are coming out for Galaxy's Edge, so that's part of broadening the experience and like making the narrative of galaxy's edge accessible to people who can't necessarily go to the park Mm. so i think that's a good way of doing it and i think that does reinforce for me that okay there might be some plot relevant stuff going on with galaxy's edge but none of it will be critical to understand in episode nine so it's not like if you don't go to galaxy's edge or you don't read the galaxy's edge tie-in books you're not going to go into episode nine and be like, oh man, I feel like I'm really missing something here. Because that would be really shitty if they did it like that.
1: Yeah. I don't think it'll be a case of like nine not making sense or anything. Yes. But obviously this this stuff will be designed to enrich it that much more so that people find the experience worth it. Yeah. Um,
0: Of course. It's such a delicate balance, isn't it? Because they want to give the people going to the park a great time and an amazing experience that feels like rich and important and relevant but as you've said they don't want to leave the people who can't go to the park feeling like they're really being robbed of something
1: so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we'll see how that goes exactly but it all sounds very exciting yeah
0: and it just makes me more desperate than ever to know what the hell this freaking mcgovern is (laughs) it's like what the fuck (laughs) what are you all looking for it's probably going to be something really pointless and irrelevant because fundamentally in the purest sense of the term a MacGuffin is something that's ultimately irrelevant. Is like how in North by Northwest I think it's like a suitcase or something and mm. the suitcase is really just a device to get the characters to go to these different places and have these wild adventures. The suitcase does not matter in and of itself so it will probably be something like that just something to spur people to do things but there's got to be some sort of reason for why it would motivate
1: them. <laughs> so. That's why I'm not sure the term MacGuffin actually fits what they've said, because we've heard that it's something that's quite controversial yes. and surprising.
0: Yeah, which so... would point away from a typical MacGuffin in the sense of it being something that doesn't matter in and of itself. Because...
1: Yeah, that it's like a reveal at the end, because, the, again, there's something else that Making Style said, that the actual what the thing is... Evolves through the movie. Yes. So by the end, it's something that maybe actually is quite important and key to the story.
0: Yeah. This is like, I'm not sure you could describe Luke as a MacGuffin, even though. Perhaps he's sort of presented like that. Well, in he, Force he
1: essentially is because it's like the BB-8 has got this map, so you can say it's the map, or you can say it's the droid, or you can say it's Luke. Cause it's all one and the same. Right? Yeah
0: exactly they all fold into each other so maybe that's the sort of thing that jason means when he says that it changes maybe it's not that it literally changes it's just that as you learn more about what it is then like it gradually reveals itself and you're like oh that's what the thing is all about because yeah. at first it's not completely clear that the map is to luke although that is does come out in like two minutes
1: <laughs> well uh, yeah i mean really the purpose of the whole BB-8 is the MacGuffin is a device to get Rey and Kylo to meet and then yeah. stuff happens between them and then the map is like oh well he needs to go into her mind and then they have the connection and so that stuff is like the meat of the story and this is obviously the kind of story that JJ's familiar with telling so yes. he could just be doing quite something quite similar to that but obviously since their relationship has evolved since The Force Awakens it could be a device as I think one of our listeners theorised in a question to us a couple of weeks ago, and it's something we've talked about before, there could be like, you know, an aspect to it that means a dark sider and a light sider have to work together. And then that is pretext to them talking to each other and actually communicating and addressing what's happened between them. Yeah. So.
0: No, exactly. So much potential. There really is. And you've just reminded me, Kirsty, that we have a listener question from Katie, which is about the
1: McGuffin. Okay, so it's okay to include this in the spoilery bit. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> so I think it ties in very nicely, actually, to what we've been saying. So, right, Hi, Rachel and Kirsty. I've been considering the possibilities of this MacGuffin that we hear more and more about, but seem to know less and less of. Taking into consideration Kylo's preoccupation with objects from his past, or that represent his light side, i.e. his insistence on a claim to the legacy lightsaber... I wonder if the ancient Jedi texts or another object that represents the light side could might be a potential motivator is something that would certainly evolve over the course of the film as characters change their views of each other and the respective sides. What do you think? I'd love to hear what possibilities you're considering for this for the mysterious plot driver. (laughs) Oh, well, Katie. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea, actually. Um, I think there's a legit possibility of it being something that Rey reads about in those Jedi texts, to be honest, because we do have the indication from Jason that Rey is one of the first people to figure it out. And that would make sense if it is something in the book she's been reading. Um, Because, yeah, that's been set up in The Last Jedi that she has access to that knowledge. And it's either that the MacGuffin itself is alluded to in the books and that's where it's first discovered by her and by the resistance or that the MacGuffin and its importance becomes apparent in some other way and then everyone's stumped about what could this thing possibly be and then Ray's like hang on I remember reading Jedi text volume four and I found this and oh my god it's like the thing that we're searching for blah 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 like so something like that could easily happen but it's so hard to talk about beyond vagaries is the sort of thing where i hope that once we get footage and a trailer and images we'll have more to theorize on
1: basically yeah but of course whatever they choose to show us won't be the final answer it'll be the beginning of the story yeah it then changes and twists and turns from there exactly like you say it could really be anything yeah um like a crack theory of mine. Um, this is based on nothing. It's literally just something I came up with just now. But that it's somehow something that relates to Anakin and Padme. Oh wow! So it like cool. is a is a way to feed things in from Kylo and the rest of the Skywalker's past. Yeah. That leads Ray to understand things a bit more. But it could really be anything.
0: Yeah, I do like that idea though. That's really cool. And. Um- and, like, with holocrons, do they work, are they sort of, like, repositories of knowledge, kind of? Is that yeah. what they it's are? A way
1: to, yeah, it's a way to store information. Yeah,
0: it could be a holocron, something like that. Some sort of, like, arcane esoteric knowledge about the Force, about what needs to be done to balance the Force.
1: Yeah, like, That's all true thing. prophecy or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, is a limitless possibility. Something like that, it being a holocron. That would also fit quite well with this idea that it changes because maybe initially they need to find the holocron and then once they find the holocron and reveal what it's actually trying to communicate and tell them, suddenly the film flips on its head and the true mission reveals itself based on the knowledge that they discover. Mm -hmm. So something like that could work nicely. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully the message is Ray and Carlo. You need to work together. Stop being idiots, please. Love the Force. Kiss, kiss. That'd be my preference. Right. I think that probably brings us to the end of the show. I apologize for all my sniffing. And,
1: and you'll be able to edit that out. Yeah. Time. No,
0: exactly. And any coughs that might have escaped my editing powers, but hopefully they'll all go. And if they are all gone, then I will remove this comment completely. Um. But yeah. So. I'm Rachel. You can find me at Stars and Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty?
1: I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter.
0: Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bye!
1: Bye!